My name is Asha, and this is the Grizzly Kiki, bitch. This is a I'm gonna give it to you tasty. Bread it up, fry it, and dip it in the gravy. You want fat fish? Yeah, you know you wanna try it. Dip it in the butter, make the fat count higher. Higher, higher, higher. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker. An eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as the iPhone X. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95. And they do sunglasses too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. You can choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way you can try all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Daniel wears Warby Parker and now he can actually see me. And I'm considering a divorce. Hey! So to get started, head over to warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Warby Parker. Modern eyewear made simple. Thanks a lot. This is Grizzly Kiki. I'm Robert, and I'm always in my feelings. I'm Daniel, and a plastic crown doesn't make you a queen. And we're kikiing with RuPaul's Drag Race star, Aja. Hi! Hola, what's up? Good. How are you? (laughs) Girl, I'm chilling. I'm just here uh, being a villain. I don't know. (laughs) I'm just, I'm an idiot, honestly. No, you're the best. We're so happy to have you back on the show. We actually haven't talked to you since before your season aired. And then you went on All Stars and like... Oh my god! It was snatched at, everyone's wigs at like Miss Barracuda right after the cast announcement. That's right. It was it was crazy. It was so long ago. Girl, um, honestly, it, I was just thinking about how it's almost been two years since I filmed season nine, and I was just so like, "Wow, crazy!" It's so crazy. And normally we get very sad when we can't see the people we love, but in this case, we've been very happy because that means that you have been booked essentially consistently since you you know, finished your season. So we've been really happy for you. And uh, like, you have no idea how exciting it is for us to see you like achieve all of this. Girl, I've lost all conception of time, <laughs> sleep, <laughs> of, of space. Like, I'm just like, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, where am I? <laughs> oh my God, that must be insane. Absolutely insane. If it weren't for the multivitamins. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, I just did. I just started today because I started sniffling the other day. It's like it's like don't take care of yourself until uh, until the last minute, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, how has fame been treating you? Honestly, I don't even know if I want to call it fame. I just I I just want to call it like increased amounts of support from people and hate. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, uh, honestly, it's been a really ethereal experience it's been so surreal unreal every type of real like i don't know it's it's like you wake up one day and uh, everything in your life has changed i remember waiting for the season nine call and just thinking like you know somebody's about to call me and and i'm waiting for this call that could potentially change my life forever 
And then it happens and you don't realize it at first, but your life really does change so quick. And, you know, now I'm like, I honestly can't even, I can't even retrace my footsteps. Like if this was like Hansel and Gretel, bitch, I would have been lost all the breadcrumbs or whatever they were dropping. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to get back. (laughs) But it's Uh, it's been such an experience for you. It's been so great seeing everything that you've gotten to do over the past almost two years and... I mean, we're we were exceptionally proud to see everything you did on season nine and then coming back on All Stars three and like, Mm -hmm. you know, killing it, doing that fucking Studio 54 challenge. Right. Even though some people didn't agree. Mm -hmm. Um, I would (laughs) say the latter did agree, but that's a whole nother subject. (laughs) Mm. I I don't know. Uh, Honestly, after season nine, I was I was honestly really disappointed in my performance on season nine. I kind of went home. Like, I don't want to say defeated, but I went home and I was very disappointed in uh, what I had done. I guess like being from from Brooklyn and kind of like, you know, how Sasha said when I first went in there, like, you know, Sasha's one of those queens from Brooklyn. Like, you know, you you, you expect her to do well. And uh, I just didn't feel like I did my best in season nine. Um, I think I... I like got my math homework and didn't add everything up correctly, basically. And uh, I feel like, you know, most of the girls going into the competition calculated it. So I felt like I'm over here. They have their Texas instruments and I'm jotting this shit down on paper. (laughs) So uh, when I did all stars, I was like, ma, I'm coming through with a computerized math equation. I'm just gonna, Mm -hmm. you know, go for it. Um, I also wasn't worried about being a best, the best drag queen I can be. Like, honestly, when it comes to reality television, even on Drag Race, like, what is drag? Like, it's it's about being the best you you can be. And I really went in not thinking too much about the drag and more just focusing on me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, me with the increased budget and better costumes. I mean, it's it, the thing is, it's still you. Like you said, it's just, you know, more, you know, more resources just mean that you can have finer things. You know, and you can focus on all the other stuff that make you such a wonderful artist. Um, what was it like going back to the workroom so soon after season nine? Um, walking into the workroom literally less than a year after walking in for the first time was like, what? I, I, re- I actually celebrated the anniversary of my one year after walking into the workroom being on All Stars. <laughs> And um, it was a very interesting, like, it was a very interesting dichotomy for me because it was like, uh, I, at that point, I had already made it further in the competition than I did on season nine. So I was mm-hmm. just kind of like, whoa, I remember, like, I walked in and out of those doors and then came here and lasted longer and less than a year. And for me, it felt like an accomplishment. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people were really questioning me and they were like, why, you know, why would you do this so soon? And... You know, I just, I felt like the reason I went back so soon is because I wanted to prove that, uh, you know, it really had nothing to do with just me as a person. It really was a matter of circumstance, budget, and uh, and, and attitude change, um, and which are things that can easily be changed. A lot of people say, like, oh, Rome wasn't built in a day, but I'm pretty sure if you get the right team, Rome can be built in a few minutes. So. <laughs> Especially today with all the technology. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was actually just watching. And also, like, the demand for everything is, like, insane. I was just watching this documentary yesterday about um, about women directing in the porn industry. And it was really random. But, like, uh, 
uh, this woman's mom was also like a porn director and she was saying like how the work she would do in one day her daughter now has her you know the work she would do in three days her daughter has to do three times that in one day and i was just thinking like a drag race is very that mm-hmm. and you know because of that you want to make sure when you go through those doors you're literally prepared 100 percent. if you don't walk in there with all your costumes done and made it's like really hard that's why like oh especially watching like season 10 Mm -hmm. my heart goes out to like monique Hart because like Mm. i know what it is to like have to finish your drag race package there when on season nine there were a lot of girls who knew what they were gonna wear on the runway every week and there was me like picking out four different like really ratty shitty wigs like oh which one should i wear and everyone kind of like looking at me and laughing uh and like oh that one and it was like not even that one because it was the one that looked great it was just the only one that looked appropriately okay mm-hmm. <laughs> so very that what do you think of season 10 so far Oh, I think season 10 has been so drama packed and I love it. But I also have to say, like, I hate the reactions the queens get online. Like, I, I know what it is to be the bullied queen online, but I don't think I've gotten it worse than the Vixen has gotten it this season. She's mm-hmm. gotten it really bad. And I hate to bring more attention to this, but like, I really do feel like it always gets draw- drawn down to a race issue. And I'm not afraid to say that. Like, let's be real. Like, if, you know, if a white queen were to do things that, um, that Vixen did, you know, it kind of would go over a lot of people's heads. But like, you know, people are already following that narrative and, um, they're kind of just pushing harder on it. Like, I get it. She's not, she's not, she's letting the competition get to her. Uh, but at the same time, like, it's a competition and it's, you've had to fight all your life, you know, and you get put into a situation where you have to fight even harder and you feel like everything is on the line. Of course, you're going to, like, say shit that you maybe don't mean or you're going to act out of temperament. And uh, I think I think the fan base needs to really learn to understand that, you know, they're all like, it's a, it's a show. We can have our own opinions. And I'm like, you know what? You can have your own opinion. But I want to see you on that TV show, with the, especially with the ones who give the most aggressive opinions. I wonder how they would react under mm-hmm. those very tight, like pressure, uh, you know, pressure, pressuring standards. Like I, I th- they wouldn't be able to keep up. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I really wish the hate wasn't live for season 10 but it's been a great season yeah yeah no and what you're saying is is absolutely correct and i think it's something that you know kind of thanks to season 10 you know the the like all of this like internet scum has kind of you know risen to the surface and we've been able to address it and and really take stock of it because you know it's one thing to be a fan of the show and critique what you're seeing you know because it all it like it's like we say on the show you know where we're when we do like a review it's it's because we're talking about the the narrow view that we're shown on the show we don't know anything beyond that essentially you know and what what some of the fandom does is is quite racist and bigoted and and it goes beyond you know like oh i don't care for her makeup or you know the wig could be this way this is now getting into the essence of your being you know and using racist and bigoted language and i i just have to say that i love the way you put that because i feel like you know it's um it, it, it's an issue that all all queens of color face and all you know drag race drag race queens of color face but not a lot of the drag race girls are addressing it the way like you are and the way Shea Coulee are you know from past seasons where you had to deal with this directly you know 
Yeah, you know, it it really is a big issue, mm-hmm. not even just in the drag community, but in the world. And, you know, we we for speaking up, like people, yeah, we do get praise for speaking up, but we do get a lot of shit for speaking mm-hmm. up as well. Because I've had a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, grown very aggressive toward me I, ever since I had my mic interview where I speak up about like racism and colorism in the drag communities. And there, you know, some people don't like that. Like some people, some people want the oppressed to stay oppressed. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, you know, that we're moving into a point in our world where we can't stay silent, you know, especially when we have like, honestly, when we have like people like Donald Trump as our president and we have like idiots like Kanye West, like defying our own community. Like, it's just kind of like, come on, girl, like get Mm -hmm. your shit together. I, I think the real, the real, the real test here is to be intelligent and be smart and show your success and uh you know like martin luther king said resist you don't have to fight back everything and just choose your battles wisely but at the same time stick up for your rights like i'm not going to be aggressive i'm just going to speak the facts and if people don't like that and they become aggressive and nothing more than furthers the fact that i'm right Mm -hmm. right yeah absolutely i just think that that (laughs) privilege is always going to stick up for their own privilege and because when they hear conversations about things like race and and pointing out specific instances where it's like this is happening their reaction is going to be one of no this is what i know Mm -hmm. leave it alone and it's just it's so odd to me that um it's not odd it's more like it's interesting to see the the this big issue reflected in such a small niche community on a TV show that is now on like a completely different level because it's been moved to VH1 and i think it's great that everyone is talking about this because <laughs> we need to talk about this shit like it's been it's been happening since the show started mm-hmm. but we're just talking about it now yeah. so like <clears throat> it's time mm-hmm. girl i hope that the the whole uh subject only gets further and further more talked about yeah absolutely you know like i'm not here to make people feel comfortable i'm here to live my truth Mm -hmm. that's right um we're gonna take a break but before we uh before we take our break i wanted to ask was there anything that america didn't get to see from you on all stars three um i think that no type of television will be able to truly capture my entire like (laughs) craziness and essence so I say they got to they got to see a lot of me, but I feel like I feel like unless I had a twenty four seven reality show, I don't think the world will ever get to see the one hundred percent me. Which is why I, and I encourage people to keep following me and just like you know stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely hashtag stay tuned. Um, so we're gonna take a break, but when we come back, we're gonna talk about your EP that is coming out this week and um, and all of the other stuff going on. So stick around. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the kiki going. So we're back. And uh, before we get into your EP, um, we know that we talked a little bit about about the um, the race issue that's happening on Drag Race and Mm -hmm. how that conversation needs to be furthered. And um, 
we love how you are able to just speak your mind. So we were wondering if there were any other issues that were happening in the world that you wanted to talk about. Girl, I could go on and on and on. Um, (laughs) Honestly, I just feel like I just want the world to like be at peace. I know it sounds like so stupid and congenial, like typical, like pageant Miss Congeniality answer, Mm -hmm. but I just wish there was a way that people could coexist more. Mm. Mm. I think that that's definitely a good thing to, to strive toward because we're, we're all seeing how there are these little pockets of hate that are now being, you know, like it's like someone put water on a bunch of seeds and all, all of a sudden they're like sprouting up everywhere. Um, but um, let's talk about your music. <laughs> so, yes, ma'am. <laughs> you have been you have been working on music for a while. And um, we wanted to know what inspired you to start or, you know, what 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 are the origins of your um, pursuit of music? Well, here's the thing. I have wanted to do music even before um, I ever did drag. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a secret Tumblr somewhere that I will never tell anybody about. It's not one of those, so don't get crazy. Um, <laughs> but it's like where uh, when I was growing up, I used to just like record a bunch of like really terrible raps and then I would upload them on Tumblr. No. Uh, yeah, but I've been... I pretty much wanted to rap since I was, like, 12. And um, I used to write rhymes all the time. And then I kind of um, I kind of diverged from it because I started doing drag. And then, uh, I don't know, I, I met B. Ames, uh, the music producer, mm-hmm. um, when I was doing drag for about, like, three or four years by the time. And um, we had lived together for a few years. And um, uh, I be, living with her really made me more interested in wanting to pursue music. So when we all had parted our ways, uh, I kind of took a break from working on any type of music because I really wanted to work on just like doing drag. And um, now I feel like I'm at a point where to me, like drag isn't just a point of interest anymore. It's like I love drag and I want to do drag. But for me now, drag serves more as a a platform where I can channel my other artistic talents. Mm -hmm. Um, I just I don't know. And I feel like it's also been a relief for me to think that way because I don't know, being 100% invested in drag and only drag uh, comes with the territory of competition. It comes with a lot of added extraness to it. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like the most successful queens in the world are are secondary drag queens. Like, they're always like, I'm a musician first, or like, I'm a TV host first, and then a drag queen, Mm -hmm. or I'm this and then a drag queen. And I don't know, I feel like it's time for me to break off being a drag queen that does anything and be more of like a musician who also does drag. Mm-hmm. Who are your inspirations for, for rapping? Who would you say are your inspirations? I have a lot of different inspirations. Uh, to be honest with you, I love, I love all types of music, but um, definitely, obviously like Nicki Minaj is, uh, uh, you know, one of the females who really broke the, the rap kind of like um, template. Uh, it's really difficult for women to make it in the hip hop community. And uh, I feel like she's done a really great job of breaking mainstream and kind of like shitting on a bunch of other rappers <laughs> who, you know, <laughs> whose fragile masculinity has landed them where they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm a very big fan of her. I love, I love Cardi B and what she's doing. She repre- she's like represents like excellence coming from an urban community. And I know it's not easy for people and from urban society to really make it in the mainstream either. So um, 
I know that she's she's said some problematic things here and there, but honestly, like she is living her truth, and um, uh, that's what inspires me about her. Uh, I'm sure, like these people learn what to say. I feel like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, it's I, I I always try to tell people like not everyone can be woke. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, you know, being being very liberal is a very new concept, and especially if you come from the hood. Like, you know, not not everyone in the hood knows that you shouldn't say words like like tranny, which is Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's a word that a lot of people will find offensive uh, towards trans women. But like, honestly, there's a lot of people in the hood who really don't even know much about the LGBTQ plus. They don't know about, you know, non-binary genders. They don't know about like gender queers. They don't know nothing past what the media shows. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I think it's our job uh, to really educate those people as much as we can and not really attack them uh, when they say wrong things. Uh, but yeah, sorry, I had to I just had to say that because a lot of people have a question like why I support Cardi B uh, because of that. And, uh, you know, my thing is like, I don't necessarily think she's transphobic. I think she's a little uneducated in LGBTQ plus. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's, I just I'm I'm a very like. I don't know. I like. I just like to see from all points of the view, like all points of the view, and really try to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Right. I mean, but if she continues to do it, then she's an asshole. <laughs> I mean, she does bring she does bring attention to a lot of issues that need to be. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of one. She brought attention to. Uh, I think there was like there was slavery still happening in Libya or something. Um, and she just went on Instagram Live and was talking about it on her Instagram mm-hmm. Live and and talking about all this stuff. I just I love that. Like for me, the thing I love about Cardi, aside from her music, because Invasion of Privacy is amazing, but it was good. Yes, it's yeah. Um, she brings like she takes what she does know and makes sure that you're hearing like this is a problem. Why like why are we focusing on like you know like the thing with the NFL? Why are we focusing on this over here when like. Colin Kaepernick is still not working or like, you know, she's bringing yeah. stuff like that to the the forefront. And it's like, we need to hear from people like Cardi B who care about this shit and not just like a bunch of news anchors who are going to deliver it to you after it's been written down for them and all that, you know, like, yeah, we need to have those conversations just like on the fly and all that. No, I totally agree. I feel like, you know, everyone will be educated and like uh, they will have their knowledge and, you know, a few sections of wokeness, if that makes sense. (laughs) Not everyone can be completely woke, though. Uh, But yeah, also uh, another one of my inspirations. uh, I really I really am in love with Tyler, the creator's work. Um, He's just so aggressive in all his rap music. And he he kind of just gives you a raw emotion. And like, it's just like to come to come from uh, a masculine point of view where a, a lot of male rappers don't really rap about their emotions they're just talking about like i fuck this pussy i have 22 inch rims woo-ha leather seats okay amazing right but like Tyler the creator is like talking about like he's like rapping about like going to see a, a fucking psychiatrist and how like he's fucked up like i'm just like you know that's relatable mm-hmm. yeah um uh yeah but like Stuff like that, like people, people like that really inspire me. Um, you know, also there's a few others. I'm, I, everybody knows that I, I'm a big fan of Azalea Banks's work. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad that she's starting to kind of like get it together. Uh, I feel like she's way more eloquent now. Um, 
a, a lot of people also don't realize it's not easy to be young and thrown into a realm where everyone's just judging you and the minute you speak your mind like you're wrong. Right. Um, and I think that Azalea Banks is very outspoken and very, I think she's actually very liberal. A lot of people have said like, you know, like she's an asshole because she called a flight attendant a faggot. But like, let's be real, like as a gay person, how many times have you called someone a faggot? <laughs> right. Uh, <and laughs> Every hour like, on the hour. Yeah, girl, I, I, I've called my boyfriend a faggot. And like, not because like, I think that he, he deserves to die and he's a faggot, but like, because if we're being real, like, Especially also, Azalea also comes from the hood. If you grow mm -hmm. up in the hood, like, listen, my mom has called me a faggot. And I, she doesn't hate me. She doesn't hate gay people. Like, people just call people names. I think there needs to be less focus on, on the names people are calling people and the intent behind everything. Right. Uh, and, and her explanation was, you know, it was hyper-feminist. And she was talking about, like, you know, if I can call, if a gay people can call each other, like, bitch, which is, like, uh, a derogatory term against women, why can't I call you a faggot? And, like... Honestly, I'm not going to say she was like completely correct by saying that, but she Azalea Banks does have points. <laughs> True. And uh, they're not always said in the best way or in the most appropriate manner. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I think I think I just think there's a time and place for everything, I guess. And um, uh, on that subject, it's really more of, you know, n knowing I don't know. It's more of knowing like who's reclaimed those words and who hasn't. And it, it, it's, it gets really, that, that subject gets really deep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, everybody knows I have a slick mouth. I, I say it all and I feel bad about it sometimes. But sometimes, you know, when you're home, you say whatever you want. Oh, absolutely. True. <laughs> um, but yeah, but other than that, I, I really am a fan of her work. And I think that she is, uh, she is a really great, uh, female rapper. And she's also, she is also part of the queer community. So I think right. that for her to, to be as talented and part of the queer community, um, says something good about people. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I, I just wish it, it always goes back to fan bases and goes mm -hmm. back to people. And it also goes back to you really have to watch what you say, uh, you know, on Twitter and then the media. Because uh, no matter what, things always get brought up. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Your first single from your EP is called Brujeria. And um, we were wondering if the song is going to talk about your spiritual beliefs. Uh, well, the first single was actually Finish Her. Right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not rest in peace. She's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Brujeria is going... So the song actually will have a mix of like kind of serious spiritual things and then like uh, really campy witchcraft... Re uh, witchcraft my fucking lisp. Witchcraft <laughs> references uh, such as uh, like, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, you know, all those things that we, th we watch when we're growing up. Witches of Eastwick. Mm. Um you know, The Wizard of Oz, Wick Wicked, like, uh, so I do reference a lot of those, like, really campy, like, fun witchcraft things, but at the same time, you know, I bring up, like, some witch icons, mm -hmm. you know, Marie Laveau, um, I also, I also make a really great reference to, uh, The Supreme from American Horror Story Coven, and I hope people catch that. <laughs> I'm sure they will. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but like, uh, I'm very excited about it because, um, I feel like my religion, my practice, uh, Santeria is very misinterpreted in, uh, mm -hmm. in the media. And I feel like a lot of people link, uh, Afro-Caribbean practices directly to satanic worship. 
And, you know, people say very insensitive things a lot of times. And it's always like, oh, are you sacrificing humans or blah, blah, blah. Let me get a chicken and like stuff like that. And I just feel like, you know, the media has not really done a great job um, in showing that. Of course, because, you know, a lot of the media is honestly, I feel like the media kind of paradises things sometimes. Mm -hmm. And um, but I feel like I feel like if we take Christianity serious, then we should be able to take other practices in the world just as serious. Absolutely. And and like, you know, uh, in the music video, uh, I think I do a great job of of telling a story (laughs) uh, where because I I show myself in my devil outfit from All Stars Mm -hmm. where uh, the devil outfit represents what America sees Santeria as uh, and Basically, in another part of the video, there's me wearing all white and I rip the double horns off my head and throw them on the floor. So that's me being an actual um, person in my practice and taking and dismantling what America and the world has uh, created as an image of my practice and throwing it on the ground, uh, dispelling the rumors and really just saying like, you know, you thought you knew what this is about. I'm going to show you what this is about. And um in the video, there's a girl, and she she she's roaming through the forest, and she comes into our little party, our little um, our little celebration, and she gets freaked out and starts running away because all she can see is me as the devil. Uh, but then, uh, what ultimately happens is we all go into our true forms, which we represent the deities of Santeria, uh, uh, respectively, with the colors and the costumes, and um. You know, at the end of the video, she's backing up into the ocean, but then I come up from behind her and I gently hug her and we both uh, deadpan into the camera because it, it kind of leaves you not knowing what's going to happen. You know, are, people are thinking, are you going to hurt her? Are you a witch? Did you do something to her? But I think it's at that point where the consciousness of the viewer uh, will decide whether or not the message of the video got to you or not. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds really deep, but I'm uh, as an artistic director of these types of things, I like to really uh, put a lesson and a story into mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, even if my, my video could be about fucking twerking in a neon pink song and <laughs> somehow find a way to make it a lesson and a story. Right. <laughs> uh, but I think that uh, my, my director, Asad Yakub did a really great job of uh, story mapping and really helping me with the story and making it come to life. And Mitch Farino, who co-produced the song, also really, uh, really helped in capturing the vision of the track. I, I, me and Mitch went back and forth with this track many times. And I, he would send me a beat. And I, I, wrote, I actually wrote the entire song to one beat. And then I, I told him when I was planning the video, I was like, you know, I really want this to be more tribal because it sounded really clubby before. And I was like, mm-hmm. I want tribes. I want, I don't want this to be a, just a dance track. I want it to be a rap over like hard 808 and bass and tribalness. And I want it to be like the witch doctor by Armin van Helden, but like meets like, uh, like the house of gypsies, suicide say, like, I really wanted a channel like that nineties house music, but meets modern, like kind of like, I don't know. There's no one else who really put it, in a clearer way than Azealia Banks when she started calling her music witch hop, I feel like this is actually this witch hop. That's incredible. I love that so I'm much. So excited. <laughs> um, we're going to take another break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the inspiration for the rest of your EP and Femme the Film, which we haven't talked to you about yeah. yet. Um, so yeah. stick around. We'll be right back. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Quip, an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine. The simple secret to great oral health is good technique, consistent brushing, and regular upkeep. Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com slash kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com slash kiki. Quip, oral care designed for a modern lifestyle. We're back. And yes, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So, Aja, your EP is just about ready to come out it's titled in your feelings and we wanted to know sorry in my feelings of course it's you so it's yours sorry um, it can be and, yours too <laughs> right it's all it's, we're all in our feelings um so in my feelings is your is your upcoming ep and we wanted to know um why you chose that title for it um i chose the, the name in my feelings because uh writing this entire ep really made me like dive into like really really old emotions and it really made me just like think a lot of my life my upbringing and where i am now so um i don't know i felt like in my feelings was a great way to put it Mm -hmm. i you know i feel like i could have came up with something more clever but i wanted it to just like hit hit it on the like the nail i just wanted to be like okay this is it i'm in my feelings Mm -hmm. and um uh i think that the the ep shows a really it shows a really good dichotomy in all the tracks because it's like you have these really like cute themes and really cute like um uh song like song kind of like beats and vibes and then like you kind of have like some of them will have like really soft rapping aggressive rapping and like it's just like it's so mixy like i think every single track on the ep is very different from the next how long did it take you to record the whole thing uh i i was touring uh-huh. uh while writing the ep but uh i i wrote and we produced finish her uh i want to say in february and then um i started working on the rest of my ep around march um and it, it was a quick job actually i just realized it's only the beginning of may but we finished the ep in less than two months i would say but there was a lot of hard work and every single day that i had off was spent writing uh and in the studio there were times where i was there with a quad shot (laughs) and um and literally like coughing up chunky green mucus and was like i don't know how we're gonna do this some of these songs were recorded in different cities like we really wanted to make this happen and Mm -hmm. um i really think that thanks to to mitch farino we were really able to make it happen also to accident report and uh uh, WNNR, uh, who I just call him Marty. <laughs> <laughs> are there going to be, are, are there going to be visuals for all the other songs on the EP? Uh, well, right now I'm debating whether or not I want to release it as a visual EP, but, uh, right now we're already planning the third, uh, music video, uh, for a track on the album. And I'm very excited to get on the storyboard for that. Uh, but, uh, it really depends how people react to the EP. I have a I have a good feeling people will like it, but you never know. So I really want to um, put out there. I mean, I like it, and I I'm very picky, and I have a weird 
ear for music. So like, I, I hope other people like it. Um, I don't know. I, 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 it would be a dream too. But I, my real goal from this EP is I want to get noticed and I, I eventually want to be the first uh, drag queen rapper to get signed onto a label. Well, not even drag queen rapper. I want to be just a rapper who happens to do mm-hmm. drag. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a drag queen rapper. I feel like that's tired. I want to be me. God, that'd be amazing. You'd be unstoppable. More so than uh, you are now. <laughs> well, I'm very inspired by, uh, by a Brazilian pop artist, Pablo Vitar, who happens to do drag as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he, right now he's the most famous drag queen in the entire world. And he's done it in such a short amount of time. And I think it's very inspiring. Uh, Pablo Vitar actually uh, reached out to me on Instagram. Oh wow! And uh, so we're gonna link up when I go to Brazil later this month. And um, so we're kind of in the talks of making music together. Um, I I mentioned it to her, and she said, "I love you. It's a great idea." And uh, we made plans to hang out when I go to uh, when I go to Sao Paulo. So when I get there, I kind of want to like really push it a little more and be like girl we should really make this track and i feel like my ep will be out and um i think i think she'll say yes i think it could be great um i don't know i just feel like she is so talented and uh it's very inspiring to see somebody in the queer community making it so big even especially like in a place like brazil because she literally has like eight million followers online like she's like she's she's bigger than literally every single queen that's been on drag race like combined like and i know that's I know that sounds like pretty shitty to say, uh, but it's true. And, you know, I want to be that queen in America. Like, I'm not saying I want to be better or bigger than anyone else, but I want to I want to have that type of recognition on my talent. Mm-hmm. You know, I want people to look at my work and say, like, wow, we all love it. Like, the gays love it. The straights love it. Like, you know, the in-betweens, the queers, the non-queers, even the fucking conservatives and the non-conformists. Like, just fucking like me. Like my talent. <laughs> You've also diversified by being in a, in a short film. Um, we actually, we had Corey and Benno on the show recently to talk about Femme the Film. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like filming that for you? Uh, it was very fun. It was very early. I hate morning drag, but I love Corey and I will, I will do anything for Corey. And, um, he literally told me, he was like, Hey, like, you know, I really want you to do this part. And uh, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I was so tired that morning. I thought twice and I was like, Oh my God. And then I said, it's for Corey. I cannot call out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I'm so happy I didn't because I had so much fun, um, recording the short film and, uh, Corey's just a breath of fresh air and uh, it was very easy to work with him and uh, I watched the film uh, and I thought it was very funny, it was very fun and it still got the message across. Um, I think that there are a lot of gay people in the LGBTQ who are very stuck on these like gender roles and like hyper masculinity and um, it's just kind of like uh, it's like internal homophobia and terrible and kind of internal misogyny. I don't know how else to describe mm-hmm. it, but uh, I feel like, you know, the, I feel like it's an important film and I feel like everyone should go watch it, appreciate it and share it. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, we were like just we were blown away, blown away by yeah. it. And I was I was sad when it ended because I wanted more like I, I wanted it to be a full length film. So hopefully Corey and Benno can make that happen. Mm-hmm. At some I, th- in the I think they will. Yeah. I think they will. <laughs> so, the one thing we haven't talked about, which is very important, is that it is 
drag queen drag jesus christ what is wrong with me well it is drag queen weekend that is true but they call it drag con um <laughs> in la um and it is our first time going to drag con in la and we're gonna be neighbors yes we're gonna be neighbors with you right across <laughs> the way oh um, my god i'm so sorry for anything that happens now <laughs> we're sorry for you because jiggly is gonna like we're with jiggly so i, I mean you know oh we don't oh, well you- yeah, you we'll, let that bitch know I'm going to jump her. <laughs> we'll make sure she behaves, you know, because she can, you know, she can really just get a little wild sometimes. So we're going to keep her anchored down. Um, so we wanted to know what you are most excited about for this long weekend. I'm most excited to meet all the new people who have changed their minds about me over the last year. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. A lot of people, I, like, I had a really cute fan base in season nine, but honestly, I've met so many people afterward who are like, wow, I really didn't like you because I thought you were really mean to Valentina, and now I love you. And I'm like, you know, I can't wait to meet the rest of those people. But I also can't wait to meet, like, the people who have been there since the beginning. And, like, I, I have a very strong relationship with a lot of, like, my fo- followers and supporters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, there's a lot of my fans I definitely do know by name. And, um... You know, I just can't wait to see familiar faces and just have fun. Uh, of course, I have my entire drag house working for me. And uh, we have a nice, cute little team. And uh, the theme of my booth is actually uh, based on my album, my EP. Uh, so the theme is Dichotomy. And there, it's going to be split in half. There's going to be one side that's really happy and really colorful. And then there's going to be one side that's really, like, sad and dark. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so I've excited. Tra- I've decided that one day I'm going to show up really happy looking and then one day I'm going to show up really sad. And the last day I'm going to show up as a mix between both emotions. Wow. My goodness. I love when the Queens give the fans an experience. Right. I'm excited. Yeah. You know, and it was funny too, because like, uh, I actually just spoke to someone on Twitter yesterday about this, but, uh, uh, you know, a lot of fans are not really liking the fast passes and stuff like that. <clears throat> and I was trying to explain to like people like, you know, it, if you put a limited amount uh, of fast passes, it really does help get the lines in order and it does help make things less chaotic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, people don't like it because they think it's a little elitist uh, to fans who may not have money. But I honestly think that DragCon is one of those places where, uh, I th- well, one, every single popular queen or every- most queens literally are charging for everything. Like, just to see them, you have to pay. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I feel like in a fast pass, at least you get to skip the line. You get like you get some people are giving shirts. Some people are giving prints. Some people are giving like other things. And, uh, you know, I think that more importantly, uh, it's important for people to know that DragCon is not free for us either. Mm-hmm. You know, they spend $50 on a pass for the weekend or for a day or whatever. But sometimes we spend like up to like $15,000 on merchandise just and like like costumes and a booth mm-hmm. just to give fans an experience to make yeah. sure that they have a fun picture and that they really enjoy what they see you know i would never want to go out there and give people you know a disappointment mm-hmm. and i feel like drag con would be boring if you know if we cut all the paying for lines and we cut all the stuff and we have just one big table for for merchandise and everyone was in a gray curtain plain booth DragCon would not be fun right well yeah i mean it it goes against you know like what drag is it's not 
Like it's a it, it's it it is not your average convention. It's a spectacle. It's like it has a pink carpet running down the middle. For God's sake, like it, this is not you know your everyday um event. And I think you know it it's it has to be spectacular, right? Because like you know, like you said, your your fan base is expecting this from you, and it's also like you know it, it's it's your brand. It's what you're representing. So you know, duh. But I do I do want the fans to know, like obviously, like um. Uh, if there's fans who are there who are diehard who maybe can't afford the merchandise or the fast passes or the lines, you know, I will still see them, and I don't, I don't mind seeing them because you know, there, everyone has their own circumstance and their own situation, and I, I know that if I were in that situation, I would really want the person to see me as well, mm-hmm. so. I feel like it's important for us as the the entertainers or the artists who are displaying our booths to, you know, although we have to make that money back, it doesn't mean you can't give some freebies here and there and really, like, you know, see those diehard fans. Because, girl, you know, once you break even, bitch, say hi to everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, just make sure you didn't waste money on DragCon or get your shit stolen like Pandora that one year. But. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't get me started on the stealing. A lot of people were stealing stuff from our booth last year, too. Not money, but, like, they, they were stealing merchandise. And I was like, no. No. That's not cool. Oh, I mean, girl, that goes we, beyond it. But that's, yeah. That's a girl, we got, we got a whole security team for my booth this year. Girl, we're not letting shit slide. I feel Work. like the floor. I mean, you have to. You have to. And, it, you know, like, we manned Jiggly's line at uh, at, at New York Drag Con, and we didn't know what we were in for. And, uh, you know, they were all, every, all the fans were lovely, but it's just like the the volume of people. It, Robert and I were not ready for that. It was oh. like, mm-mm. <laughs> also, like, you know, sometimes time runs out and you didn't even get to see everyone. Yeah. And I feel bad for those people. So that's why I did fast passes in the first place. Was mm-hmm. So those people who waited in the line for five hours and are diehard fans and are going to cry after, they'll buy a fast pass. Mm-hmm. If you didn't really care, you won't buy one. Mm-hmm. But it's so those who like really like are die, die hard. And they're like, oh, my God. Like, you know, at least let them let them get their zhuzh. Yeah. I think the organizers are going to be pleasant, pleasantly surprised by the outcome of these fast passes because I really feel like this is a great way to to organize DragCon mm-hmm. in a in a more like in a better way. Yeah, you know. Uh, I, yeah, I think I'm actually gonna raffle off. Not raffle off. I think I might do give away like a few fast passes on Instagram just to just to like for for those who who either are in a financial slump and feel like they can't afford it or like you know who really want to meet me but don't have the opportunity mm-hmm. like I, I i i can see the pros and cons behind the fast path and i really just want to be as fair as possible mm-hmm. yeah girl i'm a queen for the people yes you are <laughs> yeah i'm just trying i'm trying to live my best life and not have any regrets yeah i mean why not <laughs> well we are so happy that we were able to do this with you thank you so much for being on our show um please tell everyone when the ep is coming out and where they can find out more about you so uh my ep is coming out may 11th uh and it will be available on itunes google play uh amazon music spotify uh, literally every outlet you can imagine Uh, and also make sure you guys watch my music video for brujeria uh, because 
It's amazing. <laughs> and where can they follow you on social media and stuff? You can find me on Facebook at Aja, capital A-J-A, or Aja Queen, A-J-A, Q-U-E-E-N. You can follow follow me on Instagram at Aja the Queen with a K, A-J-A-T-H-E, whoa, K-W-E-E-N. Whoa. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Aja Queen with a Q. So it'll be A-J-A-Q-U-E-E-N. It's too much Queens and too much Aja. Um, so we're going to be at La DragCon this upcoming weekend with Jiggly Caliente. So that's May 11th, 12th, and 13th. And her booth number is 1710. And Aja, your booth is 1800, yes? Absolutely. 1-800. Right by the entrance. So if you are going to be there early and you want to see Aja and or Jiggly or any other girls in that section, just make a right and you'll get to see them right away. Mm-hmm. Come on, we right at the corner. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, we're Grizzly Kiki on everything. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so you can follow us there. Send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com, and maybe we'll read yours on the air. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. So until next time, bye. bye. Was that too early? No, that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs>